0: Welcome to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast. We hope that the message today encourages you in your journey with Christ. For additional resources, connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Enjoy today's podcast. Good morning. Hey, it's good to be with you, and we are in the midst of March Madness, right? And we are not going to slow that down this morning. We're looking to have some crazy madness in here right now. So what we're going to do is you're going to need to cheer loud, uh, as loud as you want. As loud as your passion wants to uh, express your desire for the winning team, you can do so. Th- this is how it's going to work. I'm just going to simply put up an image up on the screen. you got two options, and we need a winner. So just be loud. Raise your hands, hoop, parlor, whatever you want, and we're just going to see how we can uh, create some March Madness and some division up in this place this morning. So, all right, so let's just think about lunch. If you're going to go out to eat today, let's just say you got two options, pizza and cheeseburgers, all right? So just give it up if you're going to go for the pizzas. Okay, all right, all right. Give it up for the cheesy greasies think cheesy greasies took that one all right all right next up simple morning mojo all right it's some kind of soda some kind of pop or is it coffee soda or pop, uh, coffee give it up for some kind of soda no don't let me down here give it up for coffee coffee landslide all right hey budget is out the window don't worry about budget you get to go anywhere tomorrow are we going mountains or ocean Give it up for the mountains. Okay, all right. Give it up for the ocean. Might have to go double overtime on that one. All right. Uh, Kids, this is going to be one for you. So, students, I know you're in here. Be nice and loud. You get to do whatever you want tomorrow. You're going to go outside and play, or you're going to do video games? Get. (laughs) Give it up for video games. Give it up for outside. <laughs> all right, parents, you want to make a comment? No. Um, all right, ladies, self control here. I'm serious. Men, I guess you too, but ladies, really, calm yourselves. All right. I'm reaching way back for a TV show here. We're gonna start a new show. What are you gonna go for? Are we going Night Rider or are we going Magnum PI? All right. <laughs> Give it up for David and Night Rider. Give it up for Magnum P.I. Oh, standing ovation right there. Yes. Hey, you cannot beat that stash. Come on. That's the reality. It's all good. All right. Now let's just go for the juggler right here. IU and Purdue. Give it up for IU. Boiler up. Ah, knew that was coming. (laughs) Oh. Okay, so Jesus, he steps into a religiously devout community, and he pretty much just splits them up right into two, those who will follow Jesus and those who will oppose him. Today's text is a really interesting text. It's John 8, 31 to 59, and what it is is a big debate. It's just an argument. OK, so I'm not going to read through the text like we normally do. Instead, I've paraphrased it down, uh, just highlighting some of the important phrases as you're about to hear. And I need your help to make the scriptures come alive. You know, sometimes you put your name in scriptures. You, you know, you, you feel it out differently like that. Today, we need audience participation. We're keeping the madness going. OK, so if you're on this half of the room, first of all, you are the majority. Um, but this is what I need you as I read through the scriptures, I'm going to be pointing to the two different sides. You guys, on this side of the room, just give me a good, like imagine you're a kid and you hear your sibling uh, just straight up backtalk your mama and you think, "Ooh, okay. Give me a good, oh, I, yeah, one more time, nice and loud. Come on. Oh, all right. All right. Now, hey, you guys are the bad guys, okay. You're with the Jews, the opposers, all right. You guys, all right, you get to go high. So this should be a little easier. You're down in numbers, but you can be loud in volume. All right, you're going high. You just think a great comeback, and you're like, oh! All right, come on, let's hear it. Oh! oh. Nice and loud. You're, you're on Jesus' side. All right, let's hear it again. Oh. All right, you cannot grow weary on me, all right? And when I point to you, I need to hear the... the the, the, the sounds. Now listen, we're not making light of God's word, all right? We're just acknowledging when there's a good old-fashioned showdown, we're going to bring it to life, all right? So this is G- Jesus and the Jews, and they're going toe-to-toe. So, so here it is. I'm going to read it, point to you, make it nice and loud. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The Jews answered, boy, you ain't from around here, are you? No. Uh, (laughs) The Jews answered, man, we're Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I'm telling you, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. But I'm telling you also that if the son sets you free, then, baby, you're going to be free. Oh. And then <laughs> the Jew said, Abraham is our father. And then Jesus said, well, if, Ab- if you're Abraham's children, then you would do what Abraham did. Oh. The Jew said, we're not illegitimate children like you. Ooh. Jesus says, well, your father's the devil. He was a murderer and a liar from the beginning, and the reason that you do not hear God is you don't belong to God. The Jew said, boy, you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed. Jesus says, I'm not not possessed by a demon. I just say, whoever obeys my word, you're never gonna see death. The Jew said... Now we know you're demon-possessed. Abraham died. All the prophets died. Who do you think you are? And Jesus replied, man, if I glorify myself, it means nothing. But I know the Father, and the Father knows me. Actually, if I say I don't know the Father, then I would be a liar like you. Oh! The Jew said, man, you're not 50 years old yet. How have you seen Abraham? Ooh. And then Jesus said, man, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am. And at this, at this, the Jews pick up stones, take aim, but Jesus slips away from the temple grounds. Thank you for your help in getting that story said. Now, listen, what just happened What just happened? It's about 28 verses of literally going back and forth toe to toe. Jesus is being called a Samaritan, a demon possessed. Jesus is telling them that instead of acting like children of Abraham, you're acting like children of the devil. This is charge against charge, and it, and it just elevates, and it, and it crescendos up to where Jesus gives his most highly self-description of himself. It's his boldest claim, and it's in the most intense moment. And he says this phrase, before Abraham was, I am. Now listen, students, teachers, employees, moms, dads, children, everyone, everyone, That sentence, before Abraham was, I am, has huge significance for all of us. It's two parts. Before Abraham was, I am. And today, we're going to spend a lot of time just trying to understand why this statement matters. Now, as you well know, we've been going through the Gospel of John, so you should know the purpose by now of John. We've said it several times. John 20, 31 says this, these things that have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name, life in his name. That's really important. And so the gospel of John is just revealing why that's the case. And today we're going to see it within this section. We're on the back half of chapter 8, and it starts in verse 31. And let me just give you a quick outline. Jesus says a really important statement. It causes a debate for a lot of verses. Jesus says another important statement, and then there's a reaction. Okay and we're just going to dive into it. So in 831, Jesus says this, if you, hold, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So easy for us to know what discipleship is. It's basically this. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. You will know truth and the truth will set you free. So we could also say then the, the opposite's true. If you don't, hold to my teaching. You really are not my disciples. You won't know truth and you won't be set free. Jesus is saying, I'm the life. Hang on to me. But we know from the chapter one of the gospel of John that though though he created the world, the world did not receive him. There's going to be those who oppose Jesus. There will be those who follow Jesus. And Jesus is saying, cling to me. And we're about to see why his opposers were failing to do so. So the Jews, his opposers, they were quick to cling on to this ancestry line of Abraham. As you read through the text, Abraham's name comes up quite a bit. They were clinging to this this idea of Abraham. And Jesus is saying, listen, the bloodline of Abraham it, it, it's, it's diddly-poo. It means nothing. Like, that, that is not what this is about. It's about spiritual disposition. And this is what, what uh, Paul writes in Romans 4 when he says, Abraham is the father of all of those who have faith. But here's the problem. The Jews were thinking, man, we've got our heritage. We've got our traditions. We know our scriptures. We even have the temple. We're even located in the city of God. We've got it all. We've got it wrapped up. And Jesus stands toe to toe with them and says, no, you don't. That's actually a completely shallow faith. It's not right. Now it was a problem, but it's also a problem for us today. We would be naive to think that this can't creep up in our lives. So the question is, what, are the, uh, what tradition do we hang on to so tightly that actually becomes an impediment to hearing God's voice when he's standing right in front of us? We can't be naive and think that that can't happen. Karl Barth writes a, a story that, that kind of symbolizes a life, maybe, of some of these Jews. It's like the life of a people who are headed on a long journey, and along the way they find a sign pointing them westward. The signpost is there to convey them to their destination, but instead they stop and create a life for themselves under its painted words. They build a civilization there. They celebrate the signpost, and they tell stories of how they arrived at the marker. Rituals evolve, songs are written, Books are published and liturgies follow. A few of them, they travel on and return, confirming that the sign does indeed lead to a place promised. But the second and third generations have built a life around the signpost and have forgotten the meaning of the journey. Their lore is built on stories of past travel, not on stories of arriving or on the prophetic call to get on with the journey themselves. Abraham has become a signpost for the Jews. The very thing that was supposed to point them onward to the destiny, the the very thing that was supposed to point them onward has now actually become the very thing that is insulating them from hearing God's voice when he's standing right in front of them. Abraham's a good thing, Father Abraham, right? It, it all started in Genesis 12. God says, hey, you're gonna be Abraham, you. I'm gonna create a people. You'll be my people. I wanna bless the world through you. All the nations will come to know my name through you. Like, this is the journey. There's meaning in the journey. But for somehow, these Jews have forgotten the meaning. Now, something like this causes us I believe that we should pause and just survey our lives. Me and my family, my wife, four sons. Am I, am I guiding our home? Am I leading our home in a way that's pointing to a journey? Or, or actually very good things that are supposed to point us onward, are they becoming insulators where we can't even hear the voice of God because we're just stuck at the signpost? I think as a church, we have to be transparent and ask ourselves, are are we hanging on to things that's actually becoming an impediment to hearing God's voice? Have have we forgotten the meaning of onward journey into the the destiny of, of advancing the kingdom of God? Here's what I know. 831 starts with those who had believed in Jesus. A few verses later, they're claiming Abraham as their father and a few verses later, they're picking up stones, ready to stone Jesus. Friends, that's the trajectory, that's the outcome of a life camped out at the signpost. We greatly miss the mark. Once again, Jews could have said, we know our scriptures, we've got our temple, we've got our heritage, we've got our traditions, and we're in the city of God, we're good. But yet, when their faith was tested, when it came push to shove, what was their song? Abraham's our father. What a shallow place to to really find that that's where you've been at. Now, here's why Jesus is so good, because Jesus is going to do what he always does, and that's he's going to reveal the father. Whether it's a blind man, whether it's a woman caught in adultery, or whether it's a religiously devout community that's kind of getting things upside down, Jesus reveals the Father. So was he mad in this conversation? Sure. Frustrated, aggravated, annoyed? Probably all the above. But I would also contend that he was being incredibly gracious you see, he's saying, okay, you guys aren't getting it. You're not getting over this Abraham thing. So we got to get Abraham out of the way. So, 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 so listen, before Abraham was, okay, let's get him completely out of the picture. Before Abraham was, I am. And when he said this, not only did it create a deeper opposition, it revealed God's goodness and his grace because Jesus is revealing to all what the kingdom's about. So in the Gospel of John, when we read it, We get all kinds of our um, statements that help us form our Christology, which is just our belief of who Jesus is, okay? That's called Christology. And the Gospel of John is rich for that. But one of the common traits in the Gospel of John is a group of of sayings. We we, we call them a, a group of sayings called the I am sayings. And the seven most striking I am sayings are these. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. Now, what we know about these claims are they're often associated with a sign. So Jesus would feed the 5,000 and then say, I am the bread of life. Or he'd say, I'm the light of the world, then give sight to the man born blind. Okay, it was after the death of Lazarus, he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. These sayings go with some signs. So what we would say is the signs uh, show point us to the absolute truth of who Jesus is. And these sayings reveal a compelling picture of who Jesus is. Now, these seven sayings, it says, I am, and then there's a predicate. In today's text, 858, when Jesus says, I am, it's just an absolute. There's no predicate with it. Now, why is this important? It's important because when Jesus says, I am, he's connecting his personal identity with the covenantal identity of Yahweh. In, in Exodus three, when, when God reveals Himself to Moses, His name He says, "My name is I am." So Jesus now is connecting everything He's saying, all His words, all His deeds, okay, His teachings, with Yahweh. Yahweh, the name I am, is the unique, special name cover uh, all throughout the Old Testament in the covenant of Israel and with David. Now, not only does Jesus then associate everything he is to Yahweh, but he also then connects everything Yahweh is to Jesus. So later on in Exodus, when God goes to Moses again in 34, he says, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. This is what Jesus is putting flesh to. This is what Jesus is living and modeling for us. Jesus is the I am with flesh. So the good news is we don't have to wonder. We don't have to say, like, man, I wonder what God's like. Like, we don't have to do that. It's Jesus. T.F. Torrance wrote it like this. Let your heart hear this. There is, in fact, no God behind the back of Jesus. Jesus. No act of God other than the act of Jesus. No God but the God we see and meet in him. Jesus Christ is the open heart of God. The very love and life of God poured out to redeem humankind. The mighty power of God stretched out to heal and save sinners. All things are in God's hands, but the hands of God and the hands of Jesus in life and in death are the same. Jesus gives us two further clear statements. I and the Father are one. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Paul would write in Colossians, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Son is the image of the invisible God. And later in verse 19, he would write, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And the writer of Hebrews says it like this. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Now, one thing I know as I follow Jesus, I have fallen in to this trap before. And I know I would, I know many of you have too because history tells me as I've had conversations with followers of Jesus, this is something we fall into. And we fall into this idea of where we get maybe comfortable in our faith with Jesus. We think maybe, yeah, I really believe Jesus is my friend. He's a friend of sinners and he's my friend. But if we're honest, deeper in our hearts, we live in a way that kind of says, but I'm still kind of nervous, I'm still kind of worried about meeting the real God. Friends... Look into my eyes. You cannot come to Jesus and then experience a different God in heaven. There is no God in heaven who is not like Jesus. Jesus is the exact glory and representation of God. Good news is, look no further than Jesus to see what God is like. We do not have to look past Jesus to see what God is like. Jesus is not up here ready to give you a high five, and then there's a different God behind the back of Jesus that's different with compassion, that's different with grace, that's different with truth, or that's different with faithfulness. There's not a different God behind the back of Jesus. To see Jesus is to see God. To, to, to trust in Jesus, trust in God, to know Jesus is to know God, that there is no difference. John is revealing to us that Jesus is this personal, complete, open access to God the Father. Jesus is not like this extra experience or this add-on or the bonus or the supersize no, Jesus is not just a messenger. He's not just a bearer of truths. He possesses these things. He is the bread. He is the light. He is the freedom that every heartbeat seeks. This is who he is. And we, when we embrace Jesus, when we decide to follow him and we believe in him, then we acquire all these truths by being in Jesus, It's for us. Now, when he says before Abraham was, I am, he did a gracious thing. He's he's calling them out. He's calling them back. And he's setting forth of, again, the clarity of why we might find life in his name. But the Jews pick up the stones to throne him, to stone him. And and Jesus slips away from the temple grounds. Now, in a couple chapters later, we find out why. Because in John 10, Jesus says this. No one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to pick it up again. Today is Palm Sunday. And this is the triumphal entry of our King, of Jesus, of I Am riding humbly in on a donkey in and in, 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 in the crowds are yelling, Hosanna, save us. And they're saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I am is here to humbly redeem and rescue his people. Now, later in the week, when the soldiers come to arrest Jesus, they come up to Jesus and Jesus says, who is it you want? And they say, we want Jesus of Nazareth. And here again, Jesus says the two words. Jesus responds to them, I am. And in the power of that statement, the soldiers fall back because there is incredible power in that name. Jesus is revealing who God is. God in the flesh. We find life in that name. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We find life in that. So friends, listen. The temptation is easy. It's easy to become insulated with things of our everyday living, even good things of faith that once point us on our destiny. It's easy to become consumed with those and stop hearing the voice of God. Just know that Jesus is revealing God to us and saying, I am, and I am here. Hold on to my teaching. That is where you will be set free. He is our Father. I want to pray for us this morning, but I want to do it in a way where you just keep your eyes open. The prayer is going to be up on the screen, so your eyes will be able to see the words. But I just encourage you to open your hands. um, And just if, if you lay them on your legs, that's fine. Or if you want to hold them up, whatever. It's just... I want us to assume a position, a posture maybe that can be reflective of our hearts, that we can maybe let go of what we need to let go of and receive what we need to receive. So just with your hands open, uh, you can follow along, but just listen to this prayer as I read it over us. Almighty and ever-living God, in your tender love for the human race, You sent your son, our savior, Jesus Christ, to take upon him our nature and to suffer death upon a cross, giving us the example of his great humility. Gracious God, have mercy on us for our faith is seldom mature. As the words of scripture echo through our souls, we realize how our behavior parallels that of the people of Jerusalem, where one day we are celebrating Christ and the next we are criticizing him for the demands he places on us. We often mistake Jesus for a mere earthly king, a friendly companion or problem solver, failing to see him as the ruler of all creation. At times, we resist your message. At times, we treat it carelessly, producing a shallow belief. Yet at other times, we compromise and shape our faith around convenience. Cleanse us and renew us by the consistent love and life of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. It is right and a good thing to give you praise, O heavenly Father, for you sent your son as a gift into the world. On this day, he entered the holy city of Jerusalem and was proclaimed king by those who spread their garments and branches before him. May our hearts today be laid before you as a symbol of your rule as our king. Grant that we may always hail Jesus as our king and follow him in the way everlasting. For he is Jesus Christ, the I am who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit forever. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening today. It's our desire to help you grow as you partner with us in our mission to love all people to new life in Christ. If you have any questions about our church, would like to attend an online service, or plan an in-person visit with us, go to plainfieldchristian.com. If you'd like to receive our podcast directly to your device, we encourage you to subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Have a great week.